0: Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Kevin, uh, part of the teaching team. It's been a little while since I've been up here to do this, but uh, I will say I've, I've prepared a little bit for it, so it may have been a while, but I've uh, it's, this, this particular message, I think, has been on my heart for a long time. So we're continuing in our series on the, the book of Ephesians, Letter to the Ephesians, written by Paul. We're in uh, chapter 3. We're in the second half of chapter 3, and... Uh, this particular passage is, is a special one for me. It's one that I stumbled across a while ago. I'm going to tell you, probably over my life of following Jesus for 40 plus years. I'm sure I've heard it many times. I'm sure I've read it many times. But I feel like I discovered it about five years ago. I was kind of slowly working my way through the New Testament, reading this book. And for whatever reason, this passage spoke to me, spoke to my heart. And it, it was overwhelming when I looked at the words that were there and and they sort of understood what those words meant. I call it discovery, right? It's like discovering something. It's like you've been walking past something every day and there's something really amazing there but you just never noticed it and then one day you're like, that's been there the whole time? And I missed it all this time? How did that happen? Well, you know, we humans, we, we sometimes have a problem with paradigm shifts with changing the way we see the world, right? So if you think think back historically, think about when everybody believed the Earth was flat. And the first guy came along and said, no, the Earth's not flat, it's round. Now, it's, first of all, it's a revolutionary thought, but it wasn't particularly well received. And there was also this idea that the sun revolved around the Earth. Well, in fact, the Earth revolves around the sun, and I mean, I think there was even some persecution that happened to the folks that had advanced those ideas back in those times. So it seems to be a bit of a human nature thing that we struggle sometimes with accepting different ways of seeing the world than the way that we're used to, the way that we're comfortable with. You know, back in 1999, I became aware of a company that claimed to have discovered an energy source from water. Okay. Uh, back then, the company was called, they were called Blacklight Power. Today, they're still around. You can look them up. Uh, they go by the name of Brilliant Light Power. And I think they changed the name from Blacklight to Brilliant Light, really to better describe the energy source, or at least the form of energy that their process claims to have discovered. And essentially what it is is the process that generates a very intense light source. So in the photo there, what you see is you see a picture taken during one of their demonstrations of a reaction that's taking place, and that reaction is generating tremendous light. Now, the energy, where does this come from, right, water? Well, so water is made of hydrogen and oxygen, H2O. We've all learned those terms. Hydrogen, you know, is the, is the smallest atom that we know about, right? It's got one proton. It's got one electron. It doesn't even have a neutron, And the electron just kind of hovers around the proton. So proton positive, electron negative. And it exists in nature, in its natural state, elemental hydrogen, in what is called a quantum state one. So that electron is just happy kind of being around the proton. And what they say they've discovered is a process using a catalyst to induce that electron to come down to a smaller state around the proton, like a half-quantum state. And the form of hydrogen they call it, they change the name, it's called a hydrino, or dark energy, dark matter. And if you think about that, there's an energy release, that's the idea, there's this energy release as that electron comes closer to the proton. And that's the energy that they're generating and the energy that they intend to capture. And they've got this thing called the sun cell, sun cell, right, which is essentially the idea is this thing is generating this brilliant light, really in the ultraviolet range for the most part, why they used to be called black light. And they put these high-capacity photovoltaic cells around it to absorb that light energy, and they convert it to electricity, and off you go. And they claim that, you know, the amount of energy through their process that can be generated in a cup of water is 100 times the amount of energy that exists in a cup of gasoline, okay? So if this is true, right, if this is true, it fundamentally changes the world, right? It's like the earth is no longer flat. It's round. You can actually sail and you won't go off the edge, right? It it revolutionizes the energy landscape if it's true. Now, if it's not true, it's an amazing hoax because it's been going on for more than 20 years. And a whole bunch of really smart people who've invested a lot of money in this company are going to be tricked. And I don't know the answer. You know, when we read the Bible, it's kind of like brilliant light power. right? We read words in the Bible that are really amazing words. But we don't know what to do with them because we don't really have an experience category for them. And so like I read them, I intellectually understand what the words mean. You know, I went to school, I know what the meaning of the words is, but I don't know how to apply those words to my life. Either the words are quite revolutionary and transforming or it's kind of like A hoax, in a way, right? Because we read these things, but we don't see them. And we don't experience them. You know, Jesus told his followers, you will do the works that I am doing and greater works than these. Is that your experience? On your way in this morning, were you doing the works of Jesus and greater works? You know, he said that when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon us, we would be his witnesses, right? In the city and in the region and to the ends of the earth. But is that our experience? Are we his witnesses all over the earth? Paul, who wrote the letter to the Ephesians, I think he understood this difficulty that we have. And back in chapter 1, um, he, he included a prayer in his letter, and this is what the prayer says. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future He has promised to those He called. I want you to realize what a rich, And glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We need our hearts to be flooded with light. And we need to understand the power that he has for us. That's our need. Let's pray. And God, as we just come before your word gathered together as part of your great family. I pray right now for us, God, to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I ask you, God, to illumine our hearts, to flood our hearts with light so that we are able to grasp the truth. And would you now, God, give us the power to understand the power to grasp, Lord, the power to live into this truth that is in Your Word. God, would You give us the faith to believe it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that we're asking for and that You have for us. I ask, God, that You would just use me right now as an instrument to speak words of life. And I pray for all of us, God, to be vessels willing to receive your word to take it in and to apply it. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, when I finally noticed this passage that I'm going to cover today in Ephesians, you know, it it spoke to something deep inside me. And so I made a decision I was going to I'm going to memorize this thing. And so probably 5 years ago, I worked on memorizing it. And I've gone over it again and again and again over the ensuing years. So at least it's soaked in me. How much I understand it's a different question. But it's a prayer. It's another prayer. So there's the prayer in chapter 1. There's this prayer. This is what Paul says. He says, When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will give you mighty inner strength through His Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in Him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now glory be to God. By His mighty power at work within us, He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. May He be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. I hope that speaks to your heart. So I'm going to unpack this just a little bit. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time unpacking it. I really want to spend most of the time this morning on applying it. Because I think that's really the issue. It's one thing to hear the words and and mull the words over, but it's another thing to really understand how they apply. And so we're going to do that. Just some things to notice about that passage. It was handed out to you. You've got it there. First of all, when we pray, we pray to the Father who created everything in heaven and on earth. Just We just need to understand that, right? So whatever, whatever we want or whatever we need, when we ask the Father, he is the creator of everything, everything that we need, everything that we want. It comes from him. We need mighty inner strength, mighty inner strength to walk in Jesus' footsteps, right, to be a follower of him, to be faithful. And that strength is available to us, right, through God's glorious unlimited resources. So there's not a lacking on God's side. There's no shortage of glorious unlimited resources. They're there. The challenge for us is to tap into those glorious unlimited resources. And that comes through the Holy Spirit, God's gift to us. It says, through his Holy Spirit. And Christ Jesus is to become, as we follow him, more and more at home in our hearts. So that's a process, right? That's a process of him Becoming more and more comfortable with us, us becoming more and more comfortable with him. It's a process of growing into him. And it depends on trust. Right? As we trust in him, may Christ be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. Trust, faith, right? It's the same thing. It's just leaning into him, taking him at face value, taking his word at face value, trusting. So that's a process of Growing coming to trust more and more, to give more and more, to lean more and more into him. And we're supposed to be deep-rooted people. May your roots go down deep into the soil of what? God's marvelous love. It's a great picture, right? Just picture yourself as a deeply rooted person, roots going down deep into soil. That is God's marvelous love. So that as we are drawing Life out of that soil, nutrition out of that soil, it's coming from God's love. It is filling us, right? It is what is coming into us, the love of God. And we need power to understand just the immense proportions of his love. How wide, right? How wide? Well, how far does that go? That's infinity right there, right? And how long? That's infinity in that direction. And how high and how deep. Those, that's infinity in all directions. We need power to understand that. You cannot understand it just in your intellect. And I, Here's what I say. I, we don't need more exposition. We don't need more word studies. We don't need better hermeneutics. I had to look that word up. <laughs> had to practice saying it. We need power. We need power to grasp. And that's what Paul's praying for, that we would have power to grasp. When we look that word up, Randy, it's his power, right? It's God's power. That's what we need. And we're meant, as his people, to experience the love of Jesus. That is our birthright, essentially, our rebirth right, because we're born again, and we're supposed to experience his love. And not a little bit. Right? This is love that is so great, we're never going to fully understand it this side of eternity. But we can be overwhelmed by it, right? We can be knocked over by it. It's big enough to do that. And as we experience that love, one thing I think that happens to us is we we are overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by what God has done. We're overwhelmed that He's forgiven our sins. We're overwhelmed that He's washed it all away off of us. We're overwhelmed that no matter what we do, no matter how often we screw up, He still just pours out love upon us. And as we experience that love, Not as we intellectually understand that love. As we experience that love, we're filled with fullness. That sounds a little redundant. Filled with fullness of life and power. It's like filled, some of the translations, with all the fullness of God. And, of course, when you experience that, you just say glory to God. But it gets better. And we're not done. We're not done. There's more, right? Because it turns out that, you know, by his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish how much more? Infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or to hope. Now, may faith rise up in this place right now. May our faith in God increase. And then it says, glory to God. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever. We're, as his people, to give God glory. Now, how in the world do we give that God that unlimited, infinite, glorious God, how do we possibly give Him glory? One way that I've come to understand it is as we become more like Jesus, as we become a transformed people, and little by little, bit by bit, we become more like Him, we take on more of His character, He's more and more at home in our hearts, God is given glory. Because it's proving the worth of the value, the, the work that Jesus has done on the earth to redeem the lost. It's proving as we become like Jesus that God is right, that his plan for redemption is right, that he is victorious. So as you try to follow Jesus, just think, the more you become like Jesus, the more that you give glory to God. And let that be a motivation in your heart. So we have this narrative about our little church, it says we're seeking to become like Jesus in all things through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. If you just get acquainted with that narrative, it might be a little long, but you can memorize it. It's not that long, right There's a process. It's very much like what we're studying right now in this Ephesians chapter three, right of becoming like Jesus in all things through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound an awful lot like the passage that we're looking at here in Ephesians? And it says very carefully, as we experience God's great love, then we're able to love Him. Then we're able to love one another. Then we're able to love the world that He loves. That's a process of first us experiencing Him. Then we have something to share, something to return right something to give i find that to be really good news cuz just when i normally check in with my heart and how i feel about most people that i run into in life you know it's not really full and big you know we might be able to squeeze a little bit of kindness out now and again but it's really good news that it's god's love in me that i am to return to him that i am to express to you that I am to share with the world. So, just a lot of words here. Some of them probably even sound kind of nice, huh? But my questions are, is anything stirred in you right now? Is there any desire stirred up? Any longing in your heart? Any kind of emotion? I'm asking you to pay attention to that this morning. I'm asking you to look inside, listen inside, pay attention inside. Is there any kind of response stirring in you? Even if you have some feelings of regret, like, yeah, I'm just not really living into this at all. Pay attention to that. That's a beginning. Right? That is a beginning. C.S. Lewis, I hope, Many of you are familiar with him. He was a great writer, a great theologian, a great thinker. He had this to say about desire. He said, if, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We're far too easily pleased. You now, God is offering us a holiday at the sea. He's offering us fullness of life and power. He's offering us such great love that we'll be overwhelmed, probably undone as we encounter it, never to be the same. So I'm going to describe a couple of things now of of how I've come to understand this and sort of carry it with me and not have it just be these kind of crazy words that it's hard to really understand what they mean and how they apply to my life. And so, first of all, I want to just talk about God's love. And I want to give you some imagery. And then we're going to talk about the way of love after that. But imagery of God's love. So when I think about God's love, because how do you get a picture of this wide, long, high, deep, infinite love? And what I imagine in my mind's eye and what I picture and what I've seen as I've reflected on it is this infinite reservoir. So picture a reservoir that just, you can't see the end of it. Okay, get this in your mind. Get this in your imagination right now. And that reservoir is feeding a waterfall. And it is a enormous waterfall that is flowing, thundering over, right? That's a picture of God's love right there. Reservoir never ends. Waterfall never stops to flow. It thunders. And it feeds rivers. There are rivers flowing over the earth. All over the earth, God's rivers flow. There's tributaries, there's streams, there's branches, there's all of that. It's like this big old veiny network over the earth. But the rivers of God's love flow over the earth. And they empty into oceans these rolling, boiling, raging oceans of his love. Sometimes when I'm just trying to get connected to his love, I will imagine myself kind of on a rock outcropping next to that waterfall, and there's spray, and I'm just kind of there in the midst of it. And I'm just reflecting on how great his love is. I'm just thinking about his love pouring forth. There's no lack. Sometimes I imagine myself just kind of getting into the river and being carried by the river. I'm in the flow, right? And then sometimes I imagine myself at the ocean and these waves coming and kind of crashing over me. And, you know, sometimes when those waves crash, right, you just get tossed around. And you're like, well, you know, but it's good, right? It's kind of tossing that's good. It's not the kind of tossing that's scary. So it's, a, it's just a picture, right? It's not the only way to think about his love, but I think it's a way to help you just meditate on and think about and dwell in the presence of his love. So we look out on the world after this service and go just kind of look out the window here, or go out in the street and look, and you're, you might think, you know, well, where exactly is God's love? But what I think is it's our failure to seek. You know, there's a reality with a little r, It's a lowercase r, and that's the reality that we see, right? We say, well, you know, just this regular old hot pavement out there and a bunch of people looking for lunch and whatever. But the reality with a capital R is that God is infinite and everlasting and his love is infinite and everlasting and it's flowing. And this passage in Ephesians makes it clear that that is the truth. And so you have to decide which reality are you going to see. Which reality are you going to live into? So I want to talk a little bit about connection and disconnection. You know, the question of desire remains in us. And I, my challenge to you this morning is to respond in some way to whatever kind of nudge that the Spirit is nudging you with. And I'm hoping that this morning you aren't just going to walk out of here and like, well, that was interesting or that was whatever, but you're going to walk out of here saying, I experienced the presence of God. He nudged me. He he bumped me. He spoke to me. He did something for me. So there's some decisions to be made. And the question really is, what are you willing to try to pursue, to step into, to experience more of his love? You know, we, uh, we live in what I would call the age of connection. You know, we are connected to, we're LinkedIn, we're tracking, we're trending, we're liking and disliking, we're commenting and posting like never before. But I'm not sure this is actually helping us connect to God. I'm not sure we're more connected to him in spite of everything that we have at our fingertips to know everything about everything in the world. So I submit we need some countermeasures. You know what countermeasures are? Things that you put in place to counter the way things are going, right? And, you know, we're not a big part of God's family, but I'm going to tell you we're a richly resourced part of God's family. We have people that every Sunday morning will be here and are willing to pray with you. We have people that do prayer counseling. We have Martha, Cindy, who leads SOZO, which is like a more in-depth, intense uh, encounter with Jesus over whatever issue is stirring in your life. It's called SOZO. We have people that are trained in spiritual direction. So they're able to be a director. That's another way to connect, right? It's just to come before someone that listens and helps you see where God is actually present and working in your life. We have groups of people that meet as spiritual friends who share life together. We have community groups where you can plug in and and consider different topics with others. We have just plain old hospitality, right? Come on over for lunch. Let's just sit together and talk. There's a lot of ways in which you can promote connection, in which you can counter what I think is a growing disconnection in our life, in spite of all the information that we have so readily available. Okay, lastly, I want to talk a little bit about the way of love. So you have this image of God of his love, right? As this big pouring forth water that's just coming over the earth. Well, how do we how do we live in that reality or live into that reality? And so I call it the way of love, just a simple way to think about it, right? So, this some quick theology. God is present. Amen. God is love. Amen. Love is present. Amen. God is always at work. Yeah? Love is always at work. God's love is always at work in the world continuously. So, that's the truth. That is the big R reality. And we just need to live into that. And so, as I think about the way of love, these are the steps. First step is just to connect. To God. Just to remember as you're moving around your day, God is present and at work. Love is present and at work. Lord, connect me to you. Just keep me aware that you're present and working. Second thing is discernment. Can I discern exactly what God is doing? Now you may remember that Jesus said at one point, I only do What I see the Father doing, I only speak what I hear the Father speaking. Do you remember that, him saying that? I think that means he only did what he heard the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He only spoke what he heard the Father. That's how he lived. Somehow he lived in a way in which he discerned God's working and God's speaking. And that's what he did. And that's the second part for us is the discernment. So first we just connect, right? Just picture the waterfall. Sit there for a minute and just soak in the waterfall. God is here. He's love. He's working. Can I discern what he's doing? What what are you doing in this moment right now? And what is my part in the moment? Because here's an amazing thing. God wants to express his love through us. When we talk about fullness of life and power, it is God expressing his love through us we experiencing His love, being overwhelmed by His love. And this crazy thing, these old bones, right? These fallible people that we are, Him coming in and expressing His love through us. So we can, we can transform ordinary moments of every day into sacred moments. And I'm convinced that there are sacred moments filling every day most of which we don't notice because we're not connected and we're not discerning. So you can make a decision right now that I'm going to go out of here today and I'm going to work at being more connected, and I'm going to work at being more discerning, and I'm going to actually allow God to speak to me and prompt me as to how to express love. And the cool thing is it's not my love, it's his. It's not my work, it's his. Okay? Okay. The last thing, but we've got this connection, we've got this discernment, we've got this, you know, responding to how he wants to express love through you. The last thing I would tell you is just how to see people. This applies to how we see ourselves, but also how we see people. So you see the person before you. You're probably fairly accurate in how you see them. You know, they're like, yeah, they're not really very smart or they're not really together or they're not really wanting to change much that might be true right that's reality of a form i'm not saying you just disconnect from what you see in front of you but i'm saying how does god see that person what does he see does he see all that or does he see somebody that he's redeemed does he see somebody that he loves Does he see somebody that when he's transformed them into his likeness, they're radiant? They reflect his glory in some unique way. We can see people that way. We do not have to see people the way we've been trained to see them. We do not have to be judgers of people. We can be people who see with renewed eyes. And we can see ourselves that way. That is entirely possible to change. So, application time. Last slide, Terry. So this is a picture of us. We're a fountain. You've seen them, right? These ceramic fountains that are sitting there. You know, if there's nothing going in, if there's nothing filling the fountain, it's just this kind of dry piece of ceramic, right? But as it's filled... Starts to make an interesting, pleasant noise, right? It's filled, it's filled, it's filled, it's filled, it's filled. And what happens as it keeps getting filled? What happens? It overflows. It overflows. That's us right there. That's what we're going st- to be. We're to be fountains, right? We're to be fountains that God fills and that overflow. This is what Ephesians is telling us. This is reality. This is our birthright. We just have to decide we're willing to pursue it. We have to decide I'm not going to settle for life as it's been. I'm not settling anymore. I want to be different. I want to be filled. And I want to overflow. I want to receive. On the back side of the scripture that I handed out, there's four questions there. First one is, how can I live more connected to love? So, You know, you could actually, if you needed to write something down, you can make a note on here to remind yourself later if you need to do that. But how can I live more connected to love? I, I wanna, one thing I want to comment on is uh, worship is one of the ways, one of the most important ways to connect to God. You know our little church. I'm gonna just tell you we have sort of the bad habit of coming to coming to church late. Kind of getting here when we get here. We eventually get here, but we may not get here. You know when worship starts. And I I've been here before. I have been to the place where I was. You know when early in my Christian life I I wasn't a worship guy. My heart was not engaged that way. You know oh, whatever worship. Yeah, I'm not going to get out of my chair. I'm just going to tell you as an act of faith as a way of seeking connection with God, come early. Say hello to people. Come be here ready to worship. And enter into worship. And even though you don't feel like standing up, stand up. And even though it doesn't move you and it doesn't touch you, just say, God, move me. Touch me. I'm not feeling it, but you can. You can do that. That's an important Part of connection is offering yourself, presenting yourself to God. That's worship. Maybe you think, "Eh, I need to check out the prayer ministry. I need to come forward. I need to actually go up there once in a while and have somebody pray with me. Maybe I need to go talk to Clara about a counseling engagement. Maybe I need to go grab Martha before I leave today or Cindy before I leave today and say, hey, can we do a sozo? I don't know exactly what it is. I've never done one, but. I think it's something I'm supposed to do. Second question is, how can I become more aware of love's working at all times? I Just keep that image in your mind, right? Just keep the image of the waterfall and the rivers and the oceans. Or come up with your own creative imagery of what God's love looks like. But keep that with you as you go out through your day so that you're reminded, you know, my view of reality is just a little narrow window of reality, God's view of reality is infinitely greater than mine. And always look up before you look out, right? Always look up before you worry about what you're going to do with the person in front of you. How can I discern the ways that God wants to express His love through me? That's the prayer in, in chapter 1 for the spirit of Wisdom and revelation for the spirit of illumination to be in us, right? For the power to understand. And then the last question there is, what do I look like? And you can can expand that question as you practice it. What do others look like when they're walking in the way of love? You know, if I was filled with the love of God, too overflowing, what would I look like? You know, would I be downcast? Would I be fearful? Let your imagination, let your holy imagination be stirred. Because when we're with him, when this life isn't over, when we're with him, we're not going to be like this, right? We're going to be raised up into new bodies and our thoughts are going to all be clear and not muddled. And our hearts are going to be pure. And we're on the way towards that now. And we can probably go as far along as we're willing. Because I don't think there's a shortage of mercy on God's side. And I don't think there's a shortage of love on his side. So we're going to conclude now. I'm going to ask those that feel led to be available for prayer to kind of come forward. And I am asking you not to leave without listening to yourself, listening to how God may be nudging you to take a step of faith, to take a step to connect with him, to take a step to experience more of his love. Because I tell you, unless we are filled with his love, this church thing is just a nice place. I mean, we may feel good to come here with with some friends and you know we're sort of comfortable with each other, but unless we're filled with His love, we cannot be the people that He wants us to be. They will know you are my followers by your love. And this world is starved for the love of God, and we need to be filled with His love so that we have something to give, something to share. All right, we're dismissed. But I would encourage you not to leave too quickly. Take a minute and just kind of sit with God and see what He has to say. Thank you.